Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Harrison Zyberg. This is A Moment in History, a new-ish podcast slash oral history project. We're interviewing different people to get their perspectives and hear about their experiences in the year 2020. My name is, my name is Harrison Zyberg, and my guests here would like to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Eaton, but I go by Liz. Um, I'm a student at Wheaton College, uh, class of 2022, and I'm excited to get started. Great. So the first question um, is going to be, do you remember the moment you learned that you were going to be moving from on-campus work to off-campus to remote learning? Yeah, I do. Uh, I was actually in a new aquarium with my parents um, in northern New Hampshire. We had taken a day trip because it was over spring break. Um, and we had just been talking to my sister on the drive over about um, Clark. She goes to Clark University and they had already had their spring break and they had been kind of, they'd warned their students that there's a possibility they might be shutting down and they're kind of starting to get information. And I was kind of in denial. I was like, I don't think Wheaton's going to close. Like we're fine. We're not in a city. We'll, we haven't had many, if all yet, like any cases. So I was like, we'll be okay. Um, and then I got the email in the aquarium and I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> So I guess if you can go a little bit more into like what were the initial just like emotions surrounding that event because it was a very large change in pretty much everyone's daily lives like what did you feel? Yeah I was very I was very shocked at first um, because like I said I like didn't think that it was going to happen I didn't think it was going to happen that quick um, and so I my first thought was like, oh crap, I'm going to be home and I'm going to have absolutely nothing to do with my life. Um, I love being at Wheaton. I love being on campus because I don't like being home. And I was like kind of dreading it. Um, I knew that even just being home for spring break was tough. So to think that I'm going to have to be home for the next few months with no real end in sight um, was very intimidating. My first thought honestly was like, I should get a job because there's no way I can just sit at home and just do schoolwork and that'll be it. Um, but it was definitely, it was very overwhelming um, and upsetting for me. Now, what would like a typical day in quarantine look like for you? Cause you just said like, you thought you need to get a job to fill the time to do like, what did you do to fill the time? Yeah, I was lucky that actually most of my extracurriculars um, continued uh, I kind of expected everything to kind of just shut off and all it would be is schoolwork. But um, like, as you know, SGA continued um, quite a lot. And so I still had a lot of those meetings to go to. Um, I wanted to get a job, but my parents kind of stopped me because they were kind of like afraid that I would bring the virus back in. And so they were trying to keep me inside as much as possible. Um, so like a normal day was I'd, I'd get up. I definitely slept in way more than I ever did on campus. Um, and I'd do any schoolwork I'd have to do. Um, I'd make myself food. I'd um, hang out, watched a lot of TV. It's definitely a lot more boring, but um, I was able to like fill a lot of times. And a lot of my classes had like live sessions um, over Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever. So um, that definitely helped to kind of break up the days a lot. Uh, could you pick a, just one class if you want or however many and just tell us how that class went on remote learning? Because I feel like some, if people do look back at this time, they'll probably be interested in how the education process changed in like a week for everyone. So how was that for you just for one of your classes? 
Yeah, I, I mean, overall, I think all my classes, they did pretty well at kind of transitioning. Um, one class in general, I had like ethics with Professor Salada um, and she did in-person classes, but also recorded them. Um, she gave us like assignments that we would normally do because um, they were usually online anyways. So we do like we'd have readings or things like that. Um, I think the biggest difficulty for the professors, it seemed like for all of them was getting used to the online learning, getting used to the Zoom calls um, and like having to teach over that. Um, and I think a lot of students didn't want to show their face or took the opportunity not to. So I think that was hard for them because they didn't feel like they quite had the engagement as like on campus. Um, but I mean, overall, I think it went pretty smooth. Um, I, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I think my classes print went okay. Now, I guess just a, another question on classes. Do you think, speaking to some other people in Whedon and outside of Whedon, they said they felt like the amount they were retaining went down or actually like the quality of the education. You said your classes went well, but did you find it harder to study, harder to retain information, harder just to be involved while you're learning remotely? Yeah, I definitely did. I, I've taken a few online classes in the past in high school, and I, even from experience with those, I knew I wouldn't be retaining as much. Um, I kind of lucked out the classes I had this semester weren't like the most difficult ones. Um, so, I, and they were also like fairly basic. Um, so I didn't feel like I definitely didn't learn quite as much as I think I would have in person doing discussions, being able to ask more questions. Um, but I don't think it, it really hurt me that much in the long run. Um, I imagine other people, if they were in harder classes, uh, more scientific classes, I think probably would have been way harder. Um, but it, de it definitely was difficult. And um, it's hard to stay engaged when you're at home. Um, it's not I, like I, even in high school, I could never do work at my house. I'd stay at school and just sit in a random classroom and do work or I'd go in early in the mornings. Um, it's just not like the best learning environment when there's so much else going on. Um, so I just, I think in general, it's harder to not be in an environment with other people who are also there for the same reason, which is to learn. Now thinking um, before we went remote, so when the semester was normal, COVID was still in the news fairly often. Um, but I know personally, I sort of ignored it. I didn't try to think that it was going to come here or mess up our semester, even though there were warning signs. What did you think of COVID before it hit Massachusetts, before it shut down campus? Was it on your mind a lot? Did you worry about it or did it sort of just come out of nowhere? It honestly came out of nowhere for me. I like, I keep up with the news in general most of the time, um, but it was something that it wasn't really, it wasn't an immediate threat to me, it didn't feel. Um, like it was still at that point, like it was still in China or so they say, and, um, it just wasn't really like on my mind. I, um, I had a one public health class in specific that I was taking health psychology, um, with professor Berg. He was very much like, yeah, it's, it's not a question of if it's a question of when it will come to campus at some point, but obviously none of us really knew what was going to happen. We, um, didn't think that it would end up shutting down campus. So I definitely heard about it a few times, but definitely had the mindset of like, this isn't going to affect me anytime soon. Now, recently, uh, states have been reopening and Whedon has released its reopening plans. I guess that came up probably two or weeks ago now, maybe a bit longer. But what are your um, thoughts about the reopening plans? I guess to put it as generally as possible. 
Yeah, I definitely think it's important to start reopening, um, like, across the country. I think it's important because I know that a lot of, um, a lot of people have struggled because of, like, closing down. So I think that it's important to reopen, and I think that enough time has passed since this first became an issue that um, companies, businesses um, in general can find find ways to make their safe. So I think that like, even it was good for us to shut down, but now we, there's been enough time, there's been enough research that we can start to open up. Um, specifically regarding Wheaton, I am like really excited. I'm, I really like that they're reopening. I plan to be back on campus. Um, it's really beneficial to me because it means I actually have like a place to live come the fall. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And I think that they're doing a decent job of making sure that it's available to everybody who wants it, but that it's not being forced upon people. I think that was my biggest worry with them is that they were going to say like, they were, they're going to put something in place that made it difficult for people to say, no, I can't come back on campus. And that would in turn like alienate a bunch of people. Um, because I know we have a lot of like campus, like in regards to teachers, faculty, staff, whatever. Um, and then there's also a decent amount of students that have pre-existing conditions or who just don't feel safe. So I'm very glad that Wheaton is being open to letting people continue to be off campus. Um, and I, I really enjoy how the administration has asked students to sit on the reopening committees. Um, I'm sitting on two myself um, in order to kind of like help get our perspective. And it's definitely been beneficial so far in the one meeting I've gone to. I've, me and a couple other students have helped bring up a lot of things that they hadn't thought about. So I'm excited overall. It's a I didn't know about the reopening committee. Can you tell us a little bit about that work and what the students have done on that? Sure. Um, I'm on the campus events reopening committee, um, as well as the camp, the community compact. I don't know if that's exactly what it's called, but um, the campus events and what, from what I understand, the other committees generally around that one um, are mainly made up of faculty and staff. Um, and it's basically like a subset of the main big, reopening task force that Wheaton has. Um, and it's basically so they can break down different areas um, and create guidelines and set rules and things like that. Um, so far, we've been looking at like, I, again, I've only been to like one meeting, but they've kind of outlined phases of when bigger campus events might happen. Um, they've made like the outlines, I, I think you probably saw in the reopening plans, like um, all campus events right now are going to have to be a combination of in-person and online. Um, so they putting in like rules and regulations, um, what to do if you break that, um, things like that, that for the specifically the campus events. Um, and I think that in general, all the reopening committees um, are, are just focusing on a specific area um, and they're getting student input kind of to see it from our perspective. Um, so a lot of it is like research or just kind of like giving our opinion um, bringing up the perspectives of like student clubs um, and other other organizations on campus that um, wouldn't have a voice otherwise. So yeah, um, and then the compact side of it uh, is a small group of us students who are helping Dean Irish um, come up with basically a, like a subsection of the honor code um, to talk about like compliance with social distancing measures um, and other things that we need to put in place in order for it to be safe coming back. Now, um, so you said that you want to go back and you're really excited about going back, but is there any 
do like do you feel any fear of going back knowing that there still is a chance that something could go wrong do you like do you have that fear or are you pretty confident in the school and yourself of staying safe I'm like a little bit worried about it. Um, it's definitely going to be different living in a place where I don't have complete control over my environment. Um, like currently I'm living with my sister um, and just my sister and we basically stay in at all times except to go out and grocery shop and things like that. Um, we're both very safe, very careful. So it definitely does worry me a little bit that I'm going to be living in a dorm with other people who maybe like values or share those same practices. Um, but at the same time, I like I have a single because I'm going to be an RA again. So I do have like control over that environment specifically. And like I've already kind of worked out um, for myself other ways to stay safe regarding um, like using the bathrooms or um, going getting food. Like I, I'm confident enough in myself that I can keep myself safe in those areas. Um, I think I'm still a little afraid that that some of those things maybe I mean obviously I don't have complete control and you never really know um what's gonna happen but I so like yeah I guess there definitely is like a little bit of fear regarding that um but I'm hoping that it everyone who is coming back and who has decided to come back is committed to keeping everyone else safe and is really committed to like doing what needs to be done to benefit the community now do you see yourself on campus um obviously you're going to follow the guidelines and even use some of your own things to say safe but do you see yourself mostly just staying in your room mostly basically staying self-isolated and going to class or do you hope to re-enter and try to um be sort of an active part of community where in the last months we haven't been able to because we've mostly been inside yeah i definitely hope to be like active um in the community as much as i can uh i think that just in committees is that it's going to look very different. There are going to be very few in-person events, um, in-person meetings, things like that. So I think that overall it'll look different, but I'm part of why I'm really excited to come back to campus is that I know some of my friends are also coming back and I know that we can sit outside 10 feet away from each other and like hang out. And that's something that we haven't been able to do that do now. So like even that alone is really exciting. Um, I, I I definitely anticipate being in my room a lot more than I had in the past. Um, past years, there were times where I'd left, leave at like six in the morning and not come back until like 11 at night. And so I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I'm going to be in my room a lot, probably for classes a lot of the time to kind of like rearrange my room back on campus to make it like okay for that. But yeah. Now, um, I guess to talk about something more positive. Um, has there been a moment in quarantine where it's been like a highlight for you? Something that you can, you think about it, it's like, oh, this is a moment that I really remember and I'll remember actually enjoying. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, uh, I don't really know. Uh, I have like a pretty good internship this summer. So I think that a lot of um, in that that have been pretty good um but i definitely have been finding it difficult to find like good moments um in quarantine just because it's very different from my normal life and from um how i usually am uh, i'm not used to only seeing one person for a very long time i'm a very social person and so it, it feels very like i feel very trapped um in here 
but I think that like I've had some good moments being able to like meet new people through my internship um, and being able to like do meaningful work um, actually that is beneficial to people now during like the coronavirus pandemic so I think that if I had to pick something it would probably be like my internship has been like the best moment. And can you tell us a little bit more about the internship where you're interning what you do what um I guess those are the two questions. Sure. Um, so I'm I'm interning with the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Um, it's I'm in the Office of Emergency Preparedness and Response. So definitely um, a lot of things related to the current response with the pandemic, um, but also helping to kind of I'm doing a lot of like social media work for them. So getting the message out about other um, like emergencies or disasters that New York City might experience this summer. Um, but then I'm also helping with like kind of preparation for at their advocacy work. Um, so I've been watching a lot of like Senate hearings, House hearings, um, and going to a lot of like just general seminars um, about like the coronavirus response. Um, so it's been pretty good. It's been a bit overwhelming too, because it's a lot of learning about the current pandemic um, at the same time that I'm experiencing it. Um, and that's pretty difficult. Um, but it's definitely been very exciting. I know you mentioned it was being difficult to learn about the pandemic while you're living through it. Are you able to, I assume doing the research, you'll probably end up hearing a lot of statistics or stories that aren't pleasant. Um, I know for my own internship, we make cold calls for two hours and sometimes we're calling people and they're like, I can't talk right now. These people are in the hospital. So it's always a weird thing. Um, have you been able to separate I guess sometimes like step back from your emotions and do the work or is it always like, is it, do you get emotional? Do you reading certain numbers or going, learn certain facts? You just can't really separate the two. Yeah, I've been, I'm pretty good in general about kind of keeping my emotions separate from things. So I, I've been able to do it um, usually like while I'm working, but I, it definitely has taken a toll on me like outside of work hours where I think back to like some, crap that I saw during my internship or um, like hearing the way that our elected officials talk to each other just sucks. But um, so I, it's, I've, I've been doing it, but it's, it's very hard. And I don't think that I could do that on a continuous basis. Um, while I love this subject matter and I definitely want to go into like public health in the future, I don't think that I could do this specific type of public health work. For my entire life because it is very stressful it is very highly emotional there's a lot of things that i read about and that i hear that i'm not allowed to talk about to other people because of like confidentiality reasons um and it's, it's very difficult to kind of be put in that place and to kind of work through it especially when i'm not in the environment with other co-workers i think that if i was in person being able to like sit with my supervisor and the people they work with um it would be easier, but to be here isolated alone, um, having to work through these by myself is definitely very difficult. Yeah, to be, I'm assuming to be told you can't tell someone things when they're very, I know personally just from uh, my internship after freshman year, I was in the state house in Massachusetts and they're like, oh, there are certain things you just can't tell. And I got, sometimes I got very emotional. I was like, oh, this is just weird because you can't share it. But um, so moving on, I know something a few months ago that you worked heavily on was the student relief fund. And I think that's going to be something that 
people in Whedon will want to look back at and see of what students actually did to help other students. So I was wondering if you could basically just outline what the student relief one was, your involvement with it, and how it has helped people in the community. Yeah, so the student relief fund, um, it started out as, um, as my position as treasurer um, of the student government. I wanted to do something with the money that I knew we had left over. Um, my first thought was to set up a relief fund for the employees that were infected uh, or affected um, because I knew that like if camp was closing down, then it's possible that they wouldn't be earning anything. Um, and I know that we have a lot of great staff people um, who would be affected. Um, but luckily, Wheaton was good about continuing to pay them um, despite maybe having less hours or not um, working at all. So then my um, I kind of shifted to helping the students because um, there were definitely a lot of students who had reached out who had um, said that they were struggling or having a lot of difficulty with the transition. Um, so initially we wanted to, the student government, um, a few people that I worked with wanted to set up our own fund, um, but have it be kind of distributed by the administration. And that's kind of where the student relief fund came in. Um, the administration had already begun to set up this fund um, using the funding they got from the CARES Act. Um, and so it made sense for SGA to kind of hop on board with that. Um, a lot of the more like nitty gritty of it, uh, kind of had to do with putting it through Senate, um, which was very difficult, um, having to make sure that everybody was on board with that and able to be supportive of something like that. Um, that was very appalling to me that um, our students um, didn't see the need and didn't want to support other students in that way, despite us not needing the money and not realistically using the money anytime soon. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, but in the end, we, uh, the Student Government Association donated around $65,000 of our own funds. Um, and then we partnered with clubs that we fund. And um, with their donation, there's around an extra $95,000 donated by um, the clubs out of their remainder of their budgets. So it was definitely a lot of work, um, definitely a lot of behind the scenes work by myself and Abby Cook and members of the administration as well as the ad hoc committee on transparency who are still working, as you know, <laughs> on trying to gain feedback and advertise about kind of what we did. It is interesting. I think people who go to Whedon in the future and if they look back on this, will find it interesting that the Senate did originally vote down the proposal and then on the second goes eventually passed it with like I think a vote of 10 to one. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting that that happened and um, as the author of the proposal, or one of the authors of the proposal, both of them, uh, the second one honestly was not different from the first one in any way. Um, it actually resulted in the Senate having less say, um, and which I thought was gonna, was very interesting because um, mm -hmm. I know how like self sufficient and um, distrusting of the administration that the SGA can be. So it was very interesting to me that the second time around, having less control and um like less of a voice in the process how it was passed through like so overwhelmingly and i think the vote was 10 to 1 in a secret vote which i had never seen before yes i i was a little worried about the secret vote because i thought that um i thought that meant that a lot of people 
weren't gonna support it and just mm -hmm. wanted to be kind of like covered just in case. Um, so I was very, very happy um, and surprised when it passed. Now to move, uh, I guess, a little bit away from Whedon's campus to, I mean, 2020 as a year has been incredibly crazy. Um, I think even thinking back before quarantine, there was a lot of stuff that went on, a lot of stuff that we forget about. But one of the big news stories usually, now if it isn't COVID, it is the Black Lives Matter movement that has been going on. And I've asked most people I've interviewed, but um, we like grew up basically seeing these videos of unarmed Black men being killed. But for some reason, this moment does seem different to a lot of people. I was wondering if you felt that this moment was different and if you did, why? Yeah, that's a really tough question. I definitely do feel that something is different and I don't really understand why. Um, I have always been like kind of outraged about um, the violence and I know a lot of people have, so I don't exactly understand why now was kind of the tipping point. Um, I mean, what I can think of is like more media coverage, more people on social media, um, the perfect storm of more um, black and people of color having being like worse affected or disproportionately affected by the crisis. Um, maybe even just more people being home and being on social media, being online um, may have amplified those about George Floyd and the messaging. Um, so it's definitely very shocking and I, I truly don't understand why now, but I'm glad that it is happening now. Um, because I think that with so many people home, it gives a chance for it to be seen as a more pressing issue. Um, even though we are dealing with the pandemic, I think that it's um, allowed more people to be more invested and to really support the cause because they're not working. Um, so I think that is a good thing about why it's happening now, but I, I, don't, I really don't understand why it, it took so long to get to this point. Now, have you been able to go to any protests yourself? Have you been able to support the movement in any other way? Because I know a lot of people who can't go are doing at-home activism if they can. So I was wondering, if, were you able to do any of something of that nature? Yeah, I unfortunately wasn't able to go to any of the protests or um, any that are kind of happening now. Um, I did help to organize one in my hometown in um, New Hampshire. Uh, we're like a predominantly white area. And um, so a couple of my friends and I kind of reached out and we kind of helped to help to the organ the main organizer kind of set things up. Um, and my parents actually were able to attend that one. Um, but me and my sister chose not to because we felt that there were other things that we could be doing behind the scenes that wouldn't risk our health. Um, and so I've done a lot of donating to different um, organizations, um, a lot of petition signing, um, just educating myself and others. Um, We've done a lot of educating of our parents and of a lot of the people in my hometown who are white and very racist. So um, unfortunately, not protesting, but um, doing everything we can beyond that. So from you said, yeah, you helped plan a protest. Uh, what, were, like, what did you do to help plan it? Because I've spoken to some other people who main organizers who helped in other ways. So I'm just curious as to how you helped plan yours. Yeah, I unfortunately wasn't able to take a very big role just from not being able to be there in person. Um, the When they had it was just very um, a bad time for me, so I wasn't able to go. But um, 
I was on a few of the, um, the main organizers to help kind of think through logistics. Um, we set up like a Facebook group chat and I was able to kind of add as many people as I knew to that. Um, I helped organize, get some of like some supplies there, um, getting people to donate water, things like that. Um, so unfortunately it wasn't as big of a role as I would have hoped to take in something like that. Um, but I was very glad that I was at least in on those conversations and was able to help them think through kind of more of the logistics behind it. Now thinking past the year 2020, which can be difficult, um, and imagining when people start writing books about this time period uh, in 10, 15, however many years, or even like next year, what issue do you think historians or authors will focus on in this year? predominantly, or what issues do you think they'll probably leave out? I think that they'll focus on the pandemic itself, um, but I think that they should be focusing on the protests and on Black Lives Matter and the kind of big movement that we've been seeing. Um, I hope, I really hope that it's going to, it's caused a change, it's caused a shift, and that um, historians from now on will be reporting on more Black and people of color, like, on their history. Um, I've changed that, but I definitely think the focus will be on the pandemic because it is such, um, it's such like a big, a big thing and it hasn't happened in so long. Um, and it, we're really just uh, rewriting history here. Um, and I think that the, the politics um, around the pandemic will be something that will be continue to be reported and written about for many, many years to come. Um, there's every day you see someone else with the opinion with their opinions writing their opinions um about how it was handled who failed in this um who failed the people who was actually the ones that were actually helping people um during all this so i definitely think that will be a big focus um what do you personally think that the biggest problem we do face is either i mean that can be the biggest problem we personally face the weeding community as a nation, whichever way you want to think about it. Like moving forward? Yeah, moving forward at, um, moving forward or at this time right now. Yeah, I think, I think currently the biggest issue is going to be compliance. It's going to be, um, changing the mindset of people to really come together and overcome this together and not, um, not being just for themselves. I think that's been the biggest selfish people during the, the pandemic and during the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff um, has really just kind of like that's been the main issue. That's why we haven't been able to get this under control. Um, and so I think that right now the, the biggest thing is going to be people coming together as a community. That's going to be the most difficult thing. Um, and I think moving forward, that will also be a big thing because this isn't going to end anytime soon. This will likely be continuing for a year or until we can get vaccines. And even when we get vaccines, if people are too selfish, um, self-centered to get them, then that's also going to be a challenge. Um, yeah. So I think the, the coming together is standing up for each other as opposed to just standing up for yourself. Now, um, do you think, actually, First question is, what are your majors? So I recently changed to psychology and public health from biochemistry. And do you think this year, um, with everything that's happened, do you think 
has that changed your perspective on what you're studying and what you want to study in the future? Yeah, it definitely has. I, um, this past year, I've been thinking a lot about my majors and my paths. Um, at the beginning of the, of sophomore year, I was on the pre-med track. I was convinced I was going to be a doctor. Um, but then my mindset kind of shift more to public health, even before the whole pandemic and everything, I begun thinking that that was kind of more where I wanted to be combines a lot more of my interests, including like government advocacy policy, things like that. Um, but I think that I held off for a really long time up until about a week ago when I actually changed my major, I held off and held off because I just wasn't sure that I was ready to commit to, to changing. Um, but this internship this summer has really taught me and that that's kind of where I want to be going um, in the future, that this is really the right path for me. This is the type of work that I'm interested in doing. Um, and I think that if it wasn't for the whole pandemic and the whole focus on public health, I don't think that I would have been um, quite as confident in changing. Um, also, I learned that because I can't go abroad in the fall and I'm trying to go abroad in the spring that I can no longer be a biochemistry major. So that also is like kind of a, another little push in the right direction. Where do you want to study abroad? I was, I was planning on going abroad in Copenhagen um, in Denmark uh, in the fall, but it was canceled about a few days before we learned Wheaton was reopening. Um, so we're going to try again in the spring, but we're not, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So um, I like to give the opportunity to everyone I interview just to say, is there anything we haven't talked about or haven't covered that you'd like to talk about, an issue you find important or just something you want to say? Um, I think like something that's really important is getting out to vote. Um, I, it's kind of a random thing, but it just popped into my mind. Um, I think that voting is going to be really, really important come November. Um, I think it's very interesting to follow kind of this race in the middle of a pandemic with all of the um, kind of like upset about um, like racism and systemic racism and things like that. So I think that emphasizing that getting out to vote is going to be the most important decision um, is something that I would just kind of like to slide in there. Now, what are, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on the current race? I assume you mean the presidential race, but I'm sure there's yeah. also a ton of other Senate races. The entire House is being reelected and local races going on. I guess what are your perceptions of all of these moving forward? Yeah, I definitely do mean the presidency, but I also want to emphasize that it's important even at the lower levels. Um, there's so many elected officials who um, are, who, who are, who are, are elected and who thing um, in our lives. So definitely important on like the entire political spectrum to get out and vote, but specifically with the presidency and seeing that um, Kanye has now entered, entered the race um, is definitely very interesting. It's very concerning to me because um, a lot of the kind of forecasters are saying that that's going to take away votes from the Democratic Party and from the Democratic nominee who's Biden at this point. Um, and I think that's very concerning because a vote for Kanye is basically a vote for Trump. Trump has proven time and time again that he um, is not the best one for us in the White House and that if we go through another four years, so many people are going to be stripped of rights um, and it's just going to become a much worse place than it already is because of 
his rhetoric and the way that he presents himself. So just in general, it's very important for people to get out and vote. And my personal opinion is don't vote for Trump. Now, um, are you excited for Biden? Because I know a lot of people tend to not seem to be excited for Biden. So I was wondering just what you felt about him. Yeah, I'm definitely not like thrilled for Biden. Um, I I was hoping it wouldn't kind of shake out to be that way, but a long time ago it kind of saw that it, it was going to shake out to be Biden. Um, I, I wish that the Democratic Party had kind of rallied behind a bit more, like a more of a progressive um, candidate, because I think that's really like what we need in our country. Um, but def- he's definitely better than Trump, and he has taken strides in recent days to kind of bring in more progressive views to his. Um, he's he's become a little less moderate, um, or at least has has said that he is more open to a lot more of the progressive ideas from say Bernie's campaign. Um, I know that he's worked in recent days with members of Bernie's campaign to kind of bring in some of those ideals. Mm. So I think I'm not thrilled about it, but I know that he has more like good intentions and his intentions are much better than Trump's are currently. Um, So I definitely think that that is the way that we all need to go and we all need to accept that we're not going to have Bernie, we're not going to have Elizabeth Warren, we're not going to have Yang, whatever, and and throw our support behind Biden, um, because he will be better for us in the long run. Uh, who did you support in the primaries? I, I supported Bernie Sanders in the primaries. Um, it was it was definitely a hope of mine that Bernie would have, um, but as we know, that, that didn't exactly happen. So. Now, um, so right now, I guess worst case scenario for the upcoming election, someone of your mind, mind, for someone of your mindset and my own mindset would be if Trump wins. Do you see the uh, ongoing, I guess, social movement carrying forward into the next four years if that happens? Because I think I've noticed a little bit of where a few weeks ago it seemed like everyone was posting about a bunch of social issues all the time. Um, if that was the extent of their activism, I don't know, but at least they were posting about it. And it sort of dwindled down to a few people who are still consistently posting. So do you think a movement can be sustained for that long, or do you even see the movement sustaining into the near future? I think that it, I've, I see what you mean, and I've definitely seen it kind of like dwindle in the past few days and um, weeks. And I, I think that it's tough for something to sustain for that long. But also, I think that it gives kind of the Democratic Party a chance to kind of reevaluate. And if Trump were to be elected and we have to suffer for another four years, I think that the Dem- right when he's elected, start campaigning for their next um, person. I think that the longer that they do that, it's going to gain more support. I think that in November, if he's elected or... Um, I don't remember whenever the um, like electoral college gets together and actually votes him in or whatever. Um, I think that around then you will see a a big uptick in um, this kind of like social movement. I think that just him being reelected is going to cause a lot of protests. Um, But I also, as as much as I, I hate sure if he will be as bad in a second four years. I know he has a lot of really horrible views 
but I think it'll it'll be a lot less performative because he's not trying to be reelected. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that God forbid that he actually gets reelected, that at least his rhetoric is toned down and at least he's like I don't know doesn't encourage quite as much hate as I know he is now because he's trying to rile up his base to get reelected. Um, so I. I hope that the movements continue and I hope they continue strong because it's definitely what we need. Now, um, just to give the opportunity again, is there anything else we haven't talked about that you would like to? No, I think, I think that's, that's all I had on my mind. You were one of the, actually the few interview people, interviewees who had something to say when I asked that question. Usually people just, I think after this long, just have nothing else to say. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So last two questions, and these are the only questions I've kept consistent across all of the interviews um the and they may be the toughest questions depending on how you're feeling about them but the second to last one is what do you think the next steps moving forward are and that can mean for you personally weed and community your own family the entire nation just what do you think the next steps moving forward should be i think the next steps forward should should be people coming together to stop the coronavirus and stop the spread. I think people need to rally behind someone, whether that's the CDC, whether that's one of the governors who've been really good. Like I know Governor Cuomo, really vocal and strong. I think that we need to all come together, no matter what, where we are across the nation, across states, across Wheaton, um, and come together to protect our most vulnerable and to really end this once and for all, because we can't continue to have these big surges and then come down and start reopening and have another big surge and have it and then come down. And like, that's just not sustainable um, for anyone. And as much as we want to, as much as we can, we, we are preparing for the next wave of the coronavirus and everything. Uh, it's just, it, if we want to return to the normal or like move on to a new normal, we really all need to come together. Um, and I think that that should be the biggest focus on everyone's mind is what we can do to protect everyone else around us in addition to ourselves. And the last question, which is the most direct I've asked, but uh, sometimes can be the most difficult is, are you hopeful? I am and I'm not. I think that I'm hopeful about some aspects of my life. I'm hopeful about being on campus and being at Wheaton and seeing my friends. Um, I'm very hopeful about that, but it's definitely hard to stay hopeful um, when I spend my days on Twitter and when I spend my days tracking all of the misinformation around vaccines and even just watching hearings with our elected officials. It definitely makes it way more difficult to stay hopeful so I, I would say in some aspects of my life, I am. Um, and I think that eventually this is going to go away and that eventually it's going to happen. Um, it's just, it's a matter of when and it's a matter of when we can all get our stuff together and actually. You are lagged a bit at the end. I don't know if you want to repeat what you said. Just that uh, I, I am hopeful, but it's, it's just a matter of, of when it's going to happen, when everything is going to come to a close, when we're going to move forward. Um, and it's just not, I, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, so it's hard to stay hopeful, but I definitely am hopeful in some aspects of my life. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I hope uh, if you listen to this or people listen to this now, they enjoy 
participating in what you had to say. And I hope if people listen to this in the future, they'll know a bit more about this time. Once again, I was Harrison Zyberg. This is A Moment in History with WCCS Podcast. Um, thank you for listening.